0: Father, we do uh, just pray for this time, Lord. I pray that you would, God, that you would work in our hearts. And Lord, if we've had a tough week or if we're having a tough day or still a continued tough week and maybe something difficult looking forward to tomorrow, I pray that we could draw strength from listening to Paul, listening to his heart, and God, how you got a hold of that man and and you reworked his heart and we want that same thing to happen to us. So I pray tonight as we, as we open this up and kind of unpack this, this uh, passage, that, Lord, it would just so penetrate deep within us, especially if we're having difficult times, especially if, if things aren't going the way we want, that that would speak to our hearts. And so, Lord, we do give you this time. We thank you for it. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to remind us, and I think we all know, remember Paul's in prison writing this. And more than likely, especially when he wrote Philippians, more than likely, he's facing death, and he knows it. He knows what's coming. He knows what's happening. Yet you read this letter, especially, I love the letter of Philippians, and he's encouraging and strengthening and like letting them know, man, we got to keep going no matter what. No matter what it looks like, let's keep going and let's be people who are walking with the Lord. So as he does this, I, I want us to think about maybe our week stinks. Maybe it's been a really ugly week. Maybe we've had an okay week, or maybe tomorrow we're looking at something and some of us are maybe praying that Jesus comes tonight so I don't have to look at tomorrow, you know? That that it's one of those situations. And here's the thing, if your life depends on situations to keep you satisfied and happy, you're gonna have an up and down life. You're gonna have a stinky life. Paul, in this section, exhibits to us The way you have a content life and a full life and a life filled with joy is by being a person who's changed on the inside. And your circumstances, listen, your happiness, your joy is not circumstantial. It's built on a relationship with Jesus Christ. And listen, that's hard for us to to get a hold of. Now, I'm, I'm a natural optimist. Like, I just look at things, and it's funny, when people ask me, is the glass half full or half empty, I go, no, it's almost full. I'm that guy, right? I just, I look beyond, and I'm that way. And, and if I get around pessimistic people, it really bugs me. I'm thinking, come on, man, don't look at things that way. I, I, I ran across this saying, and I think it's pretty cool. Uh, listen to this. The pessimist complains about the wind. The optimist expects it to change. But listen to this but the leader adjusts the cells. Oh, oh. That's Paul. When we look at Paul, and, and not just that he's a leader, but that Paul, Paul's happiness does not depend on what's happening externally. His happiness depends on his close and abiding relationship with the Lord. So, again, if you're not familiar with what is going on in Paul's life for homework because it's Thursday, for homework, look at Acts 21 through Acts 28 and read those and find out what he has gone through up to this point has been pretty incredible. I think a lot of us, if we'd just gone through half of that, would be, you know, down and out and, and well, whining. Whining and complaining. I, I think I would. So listen as this. We look at him, we've got to remember the truths that we learn in the Bible are not just truths for our head, and that we gain some kind of knowledge, they're truths to go into our heart to change how we live. I think of Paul in his great letter to Rome, right? The, the letter to the Roman church and how, man, you read that letter, it's so deep theologically, and from my understanding, even it's one of the greatest pieces of literature you can study. I'm not a great literary person. I mean, I read a lot, but I'm not a literary, and yet you think about Paul wasn't writing that to say, I want to write this really good piece of theological work. Paul was writing from his heart, and I think of the one passage a lot of us know, right? Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things Work together for good for those who love Jesus. A lot of us have memorized that. We, we kind of have it, but do you walk it? Do you walk it every day? When you're walking into something that's scary and frightening, are you trusting the Lord and, and, and believing that he still has things in control? And then again, I think, I think this passage is great for where we're at in this world, and it's scrambled up, right? Our world's like scrambled up, and. You know, I—I I, it's kind of weird for me. I don't look at news anymore. I don't read news. I'm just like tired of it. I just decided I'm gonna read my Bible and read some books. Now, I, I gotta be honest. I gotta glance once in a while because I don't have my head in the sand. But man, I'm trying. To, I'm trying to get my heart close to Jesus. And so Paul here, look at as he begins this in verse 12. But I want you to know, brethren that the things which have happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So listen to what he's saying. I believe the Philippians were concerned about him. Hey, Paul, what's going on? What's happening? Maybe even it was word, he's going to be executed in a short time. And listen to what he writes. He writes this. He goes, Listen, here's what I want you to know. My desire is that you know this one thing that the gospel is alive and well. He doesn't say, I'm doing okay. I'm hanging in there. I'm hanging tough. Romans 8, 28's real to me. What is he saying, man? He goes, listen, what's happening to me? Do you have that attitude? What's happened to me turns out to further the gospel. What was Paul's heart? I want the gospel to be spread. I want people to get saved. I want people to find Jesus. When you begin to focus on those things, all the other stuff in the world really doesn't matter. Everything can come down around you and you're just here's what you're focused on the gospel of Jesus Christ getting the gospel out letting people know letting people hear and I read this listen if I were writing from prison and I'm thinking I'm going to die in a short amount of time I would surely be letting people know I think I'm going to die I'm really scared I'm really freaking out here I need you you know what does Paul say I want you to know, brother, and here's what I want you guys to know more than anything else, it's okay. And here's why it's okay. Because the gospel is being spread. That's why it's okay. It's okay that I'm in jail. And I think most of us know, don't you know, he's in jail illegally. He shouldn't be in jail. That's even worse, right? It's one thing to serve time because you do it, you know. It's another thing to be uh, imprisoned as an innocent person. And definitely, definitely, I know, I know Pat. I'd be kicking and screaming, man. I'd be letting people know I, I don't belong here. And he's saying, hey, here's what you need to know. My God is in control, and I believe that with all of my heart, and here's what I want you to know that I know. This is okay. Why? Because the gospel of Jesus Christ is being spread is that your heart? I mean, let's all be really honest. Is that your heart? Are things okay in the world now because that's where they're at? Because God is going to use the circumstances that are going on around us and the circumstances in our life to further his gospel? I believe it's only true as we're walking with him and we're close with him. And I love him saying that. And, and then th- this part, this i got to say, verse 13 is like one of my, my favorite verses in my mind. He says, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. you got to think about this guy's guy's being chained to soldiers. Probably they changed him every four hours according to what I read. So, you know, you can kind of do the math every four hours, 24 hours a day, you know, and he's been there for a couple years. That's a lot of maybe different guys. Maybe some guys pulled double duty. But think about those guys. Think about those guards. I don't want to get chained to that guy. Like if you get chained to Paul, here's what you're going to do. You're going to hear the gospel. And listen, I don't think it's so much that he would look at them and share the gospel. I think he's writing letters. He's talking. He's doing things. I don't think he's saying, you need to hear the gospel. I think he's saying, you're going to hear the gospel because that's what we're going to be talking about. And guess what? You're chained to me. And do you think they kind of drew straws? Like, I don't want that duty. You know, it's it's And, and you know, it's funny reading commentaries. like some of the commentaries went on and on about this guard and who they were and exactly. And I'm thinking, seriously? Why don't we stop and meditate on the fact if you were chained to somebody again and you were there and you're an innocent person and it's all going sideways and you know more than likely you're going to die for something you didn't do. Would you be sharing the gospel? Would you be writing letters to the Ephesians and the Philippians and the people in Colossae? Would you be thinking about Onesimus, that guy who had the slave, who everything kind of went weird, and, and would you be writing to those people or would you be writing to your congressman? Trying to get a hold of your senator, trying to make sure people know this isn't right. Man, I read this and and I got to be honest. I think most of us, if if we're really gut check honest, I don't think we would be in this position. I pray that we would be striving toward that position. And then you got to wonder how many of those guards got saved. We don't know. And how many of them went back? You know, they said there was 4,000 at that time of, of the praetorium guards. So again, I, I don't know all the circumstances, but they say there was 4,000. How many of those guys were actually chained to Paul? And then how many of them went and told people? And we're gonna read in a moment, even if they told him like, wow, that crazy Paul, man, all he does is talk about Jesus, 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 Jesus. And then we're gonna read that Paul's even rejoicing in that. So listen, man, he's saying, I reach everybody, and they know that I'm here. Now listen carefully what he says, that my chains are in Christ. Paul, in his mind, was never chained to a guard. In his mind, Paul was chained to Jesus. And it doesn't matter who's on the other end of the chain to him. The fact is, he had given himself 100% to Jesus, And nothing else mattered. Nothing else in life. And would to God that we could come close to that, right? That we could move as close as possible. Would to God that we'd come all the way. But I'm trying to be a realist. That we would get close to that place. Where other stuff, man, I don't care. It doesn't matter. And then then when he says this, and then, listen, and... Most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So here's what he's saying. I'm chained to these guys, and that's good news because the news is the gospel's getting spread. And check this out. Even those other guys who they're not even here, but they've heard of my chains. They know what's going on. They know why I'm here. It is embolden them to start spreading the gospel also so here's what he's rejoicing in the fact that the gospel is being spread wherever and however and that even those who are a little bit fearful you know some of us are kind of timid about sharing the gospel and i get that this you know it's kind of a threatening thing you get out and you start telling people about jesus some people are not real happy to hear about jesus and they're they're kind of coming back at you so i understand some timidity going on there but do you hear what Paul says? Does it encourage you to hear others in difficult circumstances, loving Jesus and walking with Jesus, and that it just emboldens you somewhat, you know what, if they can do it, I can do it. And here's what's going on. Paul's saying, man, those guys are hearing about me and I'm sharing with the, with the guards that are chained to me and here's now what they're doing. Now they're sharing with people who are in their sphere of influence and they're sp- starting to speak to them. So the first couple verses here, here's what Paul's saying. Woo-hoo, I'm in prison, and it's good news, not bad news. Wow. Okay, Paul, calm down a little bit. And then he says this, verse 15. Some indeed preach Christ, even from envy and strife, and some from goodwill. Now, before we go on, I want you to think about that. Paul is saying there are people, this is kind of weird to me to think about. Paul is saying there's people who don't really like him and they're envious of him. Do you know what envy is? Envy isn't I'm jealous you have that. Envy is I just don't want you to have that. I just don't like that in your life. I just hope that gets taken away from you. That's envious. And then there's jealousy too going on. But here's what Paul says. There's people who are envious and jealous of me. And so here's what they're doing. They're sharing the gospel, trying to get to me. Now, we need to understand something. The people he's talking about are not people who are sharing a false gospel. He's not dealing with that. These are people who are sharing Jesus with a bad motive, oh, oh, does that go on? Oh, you bet it goes on. I think it still goes on today. And some people, hey, people are trying to get at Paul to do it, and I don't think there's anything that hurts more than when somebody in Christ, a brother or sister, does something to defame you, to gossip about you, to bring you down, and a brother or sister in Christ, that's painful, but not for Paul. I'm thinking, dude, you are indestructible, right? And he says, hey, he says, so some, they're preaching even from envy and strife and some from goodwill. Verse 16, the former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing to add, or or not sincerely, and they're supposing to add affliction to my chains. Here's what they're doing, man. I wanna share Jesus with people because I'm hoping, I'm hoping it brings Paul even more misery, That's weird, that's just weird, but people do that. And people share the gospel and people get involved in ministry for all kinds of different reasons. I have here on the pulpit, I've shared it before, I have here on the pulpit this quote from from Spurgeon. I wanna read it to you, I read it every time I come up here. He says, far better for a man that he had never been born than that he should degrade a pulpit into a showbox to exhibit himself. That's a good thing to remember. And these guys aren't remembering that. And today we have a lot of people not remembering that. And hey, they're not sharing the gospel for the right motive. It's the wrong motive. And Paul later on says, I don't care. Now, you got to hear his heart. Here's what he's saying. God will take care of them. Their motive is between them and the Lord. But Paul's rejoicing in the fact that the gospel's going out. And once again, we have to be careful. We have to be careful. I know, you know, in churches sometimes, you know, I, I, th- I think this is the best church in, not just in the town. I think it's the best church in the state. Well, I think it's probably the best church in the country. I really like our church. That's why I come here. I don't think it's the only Church. And I don't get upset when I hear that God's doing something in somebody else's fellowship. I think it's a good thing. If people are getting saved, that's a good thing. And even some people I know that I believe their motivation is wrong. There are people maybe not in town, but there are people on a national level. I don't think they have a good motivation, but people are still getting saved. It's not my business to judge them and what they're doing unless they're preaching a false gospel. That's, that's the Lord. He can take care of them. And so Paul's saying, listen, man, some people do it. They want to wreck me. Now, I don't know anybody. And if you know somebody, don't tell me. I don't know anybody in town that's like sharing trying to wreck me. I don't think there's anybody doing that. Now, I, I've had some pastors That don't like me and that's okay because I'm not that likable so it's all right I'm fine with that but I I don't know and I've had a couple say some things behind my back but that's their problem once again if I try and retaliate for that then that becomes my problem and here's what Paul says I don't really care And once again, his head's going to be removed pretty soon. And he says, I don't care. He says, listen, they do it from selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing to add to affliction to my change. But look at verse 17. Here's the good part. But the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. Here's the others are doing it because they love Paul. They care about Paul. But here's what they know about Paul, that he's appointed to defend the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do people know that about you? If you're born again, you have been appointed to defend the gospel, to spread the gospel, to be that person, no matter what your circumstances are. Hey, if you get, if you get falsely accused and imprisoned, that doesn't matter as far as your responsibility to defend the gospel, that's what Paul's saying. My circumstances, where I'm at, is immaterial to my calling in life. My calling in life is to defend the gospel. And if I have to do it from a prison in Rome, I will do it. Remember at the end of Romans, Romans chapter whatever, I think it's 15, where Paul writes and he says, man, I wanna come and see you guys and I wanna do it on my way to Spain. Here's the thing. Paul wanted to go to Rome as a preacher. He went to Rome as a prisoner. And here he is now in a position where he's sharing the gospel from prison that is encouraging others. I think of John Bunyan. Do you know that John Bunyan was imprisoned because he loved Jesus? And as he was in prison, listen, in the the 1600s, as he was put into prison, he began to have meetings, and people from outside the prison would come and stand at the prison walls to hear him preach. So then they got more upset, so they put him in solitary confinement down in a dungeon. You know what happened in that dungeon, don't you? The book called Pilgrim's Progress. And even though they put him in a dungeon, he reached millions of more people by being in that dungeon. This is what Paul is trying to tell us here. It doesn't matter. Don't get caught up in your circumstances. Don't worry about who's sharing and who's not sharing. Are you called to defend the gospel? Yes, if you're a believer then let's be busy about doing that and not get so wrapped up in what's going on against us, for us, with us, or even, quote, in our world, let's get wrapped up with what Jesus is gonna do in the lives of people. So he says that. Now he ends this, listen, he ends this section here. Here's what I love. Verse 18, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or truth, Christ is preached. Wow. Wow. Do you hear his heart? Doesn't matter. Here's what he's saying. I don't care. I don't care. All I care about is that Christ is preached. That's all that I, that's what I live for. Now, again, I think some of us, we might hear the word preached and we get a little bit freaked out. We go, well, that's a little preachy. When he's saying that Christ is preached, here's what he's saying doesn't matter here's what counts jesus is proclaimed to the world saints let's get that on let's start wearing that let's start making that our mantra in this world and you know, I've, I've been saying it for a long time. It, somebody the other day said, maybe we should find something to teach that's a little more relevant. I don't think there's anything more relevant than the books of the Bible, right? And they were talking about a book. You know, It's, it's funny, when, when, when stuff started going down and stuff started happening, how many Calvary pastors went to Revelation? Because it's exciting, right? But listen, isn't this right here more relevant for what's going on today than any place else. I don't like what's going on. I don't like what's happening. I think it stinks and I think we need to do some things to reform some things and take care of things. But here's what I know, I'm gonna do it through the gospel of Jesus Christ. I believe with all my heart we change one heart at a time. That's how we fix the world. And that was Paul's heart. So he goes, I don't care. I don't care whether it's sincerity or I don't care if there are pukes out there sharing the gospel. All I care about is the gospel is being preached. And then he says this at the end of verse 18. And in this I rejoice, yes, and I will rejoice. Here's what Paul's doing. Woohoo! And now that guard changed to him going, what are you yelling for? Because I just wrote this in Philippians. You want me to read it to you? Because it's really good. And it'll make you go, woo If you read it. You guys think I'm exact? I think that's what's going on, right? Hey, I don't think Paul was just like, oh, I'm gonna write this stinking letter to those people living in Philippi. And they're all bummed out. And I gotta try and cheer them up. So I'll think of something good to say. I think, man, listen, is this stuff is flowing out of his pen? It's coming from his heart. And he is so excited. Now, we know the Holy Spirit inspired him, but still, man, God uses real people to do ministry in real things. And so, yes, I think he's, yes, yes, this is so good. This is so awesome. And then, verse 19, for I know that this will turn out for my deliverance. Now, I wanna stop there for a minute. What's he talking about? So here's he's talking about, I'm in the gospel for chains. I wanna hear Jesus preached. I rejoice in the fact that it doesn't matter who's doing it, I rejoice in the fact that, he's pre- that, he, that the Christ is preached. He says, I rejoice in this, and then now he says, listen, here's what I know, here's what I know. This is gonna work for my deliverance. I'm wondering if that's the best choice of words for the interpretation here. I don't think Paul is thinking my deliverance from jail. I, don't think, I think Paul's pretty convinced I'm gonna die. I think he's talking about is sanctification. Do you get concerned about your sanctification? Do you want to be somebody who you go further with the Lord, deeper with the Lord, closer with the Lord? Or are you somebody that, you know, oh, man, I just do this church thing because the church thing is good, makes me feel good, you know? And, you know, even some of what Pat says encourages me, but, you know, I'll endure that, and, you know, I'm just encouraged, and it's just okay. Or are you really a person who you know that what you're doing is going to make sure of your salvation and your deliverance. Again, I'm not saying we're working for it, but we need to make our election and calling sure. And here's what Paul says. I know that all of this will turn out for my deliverance. Now's the good part. Are you ready? Listen to what he says. All that was intro for this. He says, this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Oh. Paul's pretty convinced the people in Philippi are praying for him. Why is he so convinced of that? I think because he was praying for them. And here's what he says, man. It's through your prayer, we need each other. We need each other desperately. And here's what Paul's saying. Your prayer is affecting my life. And your prayer is even, and here's what I love. This is kind of the the human responsibility and the sovereignty of God kind of all weaving together and getting in that weird mystery place. But he says, your prayer, listen to what he says, your prayer will be the supply of the Spirit who I know is going to deliver me. Listen, as I allow more of the Spirit to control my life, the better I am in this world, and that comes through you praying for me. Do you, really think, do you really think if the people in Philippi quit praying that Paul would wither away? Eh, probably not. But I do believe they affected Paul's position right then and right there. Why, because he believed it. Saints, it's important for you and I to lift others up and to lift one another up and to be involved in that way. That's important. It's important. You know, it's funny when, when I go fill in at other places, which we haven't done for over a year now, it's because no one's traveling because of COVID, but when I go to different places, I always remind the people, pray for your pastor. It's hard in your own pulpit. Hey, you guys, pray for your pastor. You know, that's difficult. So it's good when you're visiting to remind people. But it's an important thing because here's what I know. When I visit those places, I know their pastor. And here's what I know. He's praying for them. And listen, listen, It's something that we need to be doing. And as we pray for one another, listen, then I love that whole idea. And I love the way he puts it. Listen, as we're doing that, he says, listen, then we have the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. I kind of like that. Here's what he's saying. We have the supply of the Holy Spirit. Now, it's kind of weird to think of the Holy Spirit that way and supply. But you get my point? Man, it's good. It's a good thing. Once again, I want to remind us, where's he at? He's in jail. He's hanging on a soldier he doesn't even get to go to the bathroom without a soldier and here he's like come on guys let's keep going I'm rejoicing in this and here's what I know this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the spirit of Jesus Christ according listen to verse 20 according to my earnest expectation what is your greatest expectation right now telephone that was perfect timing so good what is your greatest expectation by the way you owe everybody in that row coffee wherever you're at and people do not point to them you know our church our church they're going right there right there that one don't do that that's rude if you're sitting in that row you know their phone went just nudge them when you're leaving and say i want my coffee But Paul says, listen man, Paul is talking about, he says, according to my earnest expectation. What is your earnest expectation? What are you expecting to get out of life? What is the thing that you wake up every morning for that keeps you going, that keeps you driven? You see, I think that's going to affect how we approach the world. If my expectations are tied to the here and now and the present, I'm gonna be extremely disappointed. But if my expectations are tied to the things where moth and rust cannot destroy, and I'm expecting that, I have to be honest, some mornings I wake up and I run and look in the mirror well, I'm still here. You know, you kind of have that. Don't you ever, like, aren't you kind of shocked sometimes when you wake up and, and, wow, how come I'm not in heaven? I thought Jesus was going to come. But listen, man, do you hear his heart? Here he is chained to somebody in prison. In a, you know, I know he has his own house by now, and I, and I know that, so he's not in a dungeon, but still he's not a free man. And here's what he's, he's like, hey guys, this is great because here's what I know, all of this is gonna work for my deliverance, for my sanctification. And all of this is, listen, all of this is according to my, according to my uh, earnest expectation. And then, listen to this, and the hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed. Oh. Do you ever worry about embarrassing God? Good question. Do you ever sit in a situation and ask Jesus if He's enjoying the time? Kind of a drag, huh? But here's what Paul meant: I don't want to be ashamed. That's his heart once again as he's there in that prison. I don't want to be ashamed. And then he says this, man. He says, but with all boldness as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body. Now don't read the rest. Look up. Listen to his heart, man. I just want to magnify Jesus. That's all I want to do. That's what I want to do with my life. That's my goal. And when we have that as our goal, that is our driving force, all the other circumstances in our life are going to play into that, and we're going to allow them to mold and shape us so that we better reflect Christ in those situations. Instead of letting those situations drag us down and bring us to place, we're going to be there, yes, yes. You're gonna have a horrible thing happen in your life and you're gonna be able to rejoice in it knowing that in all things, God works together for good for those who love Jesus. And he's going to work in your life and he's going to use that situation do you look at the gross things in your life and understand that God can use that situation for his glory, for his honor, and to encourage him? That's what Paul is saying. I don't want to be ashamed. Listen, man, I think it's some of the things I go through, and, and you know, it seems like for me, for me, the big thing for me is just some medical issues that I do weird, I do medicine weird. And so, you know, I think, why do I do that? Sometimes I get frustrated some things that go on in my life and think, what what on earth like everybody else just like does that i get involved in <laughs> <laughs> why and god says for my glory that's why quit whining pat maybe you guys are stronger than i am he has to remind me stop whining and start believing and it's not just listen it's just not positive thinking it's believing in the promises of God, and believing in Jesus Christ. And Paul says, man, that's, what, that's all that matters. Now, that's huge, right? Reading that, that's huge. But we're gonna finish that. Most of you finish reading that because you're cheaters. And he says, listen, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. I love that. I love thinking about that, because here's what Paul says, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter as long as I allow the sanctification process that God is taking me through to work in my life. Doesn't matter whether I get to live or whether they execute me, it really just doesn't matter because God, Jesus is going to be magnified in my body. Wow, yes, yes. And you know what that does for the situation you're in? You know what that does for your worldview as you look around the world and you get a little bit freaked out about what's going on around the world? If you begin to live that way, those things, listen, it doesn't mean they all go away. It means that they just do not dictate and and define who you are, you allow your relationship with Jesus Christ to begin to define who you are. Hey, I know some things stink right now. I know some things aren't good right now. I get that, I'm not dumb. Well, to that I'm not dumb. But I also know that my God is bigger than anything going on in this world. And I know that my God has control of everything that's going on. I believe that with all my heart. That's just some theology that I've developed. It's something that i have been beginning to live by. And even when I see things, you know, I was talking to somebody the other day, and I gotta tell you something. Sometimes I don't agree with God's choice of presidents. Just saying. Sometimes I don't agree. And here's what he says. I don't really care. Here's what I know. He's in charge, and I don't have to agree, and I don't have to care. I, well, I can care, but I don't have to agree with him. All I have to do is trust him. Do you, ever, do you ever just sit down and be honest, completely honest with God and say, I think, I think you flipped out. <laughs> and he goes, oh, no, 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 no. You should see what I'm gonna do. Oh, really, Lord, you're gonna do? Yeah, you should just, just hold on, Pat. Hold on. I'd rather whine. I'd rather pout. I hope someday that I can put on big boy pants and I can walk like Paul and I can have that attitude. And I can walk through situations and circumstances knowing that my God is bringing those in my life because he loves me, because he cares about me. And God cares more about my sanctification than he does about my happiness. He wants me to grow up. And he's going to do things that are gonna cause me to grow up. That's all that Paul is saying. So we just read all these verses and here's what Paul says. You just need to grow up. So we need to look at him not as some kind of super saint, how did Paul do that? You know how he did it? What we've been studying on Sunday mornings, by faith. It's called this walk of faith, and again, not blind faith, not stupid faith, not ignorant faith, but faith in a God who is in control of the universe. That's what we have to live for. That's a good thing. So tonight, you guys are all going to go out of here. You're going to be happy people. You're going to be rejoicing. You're going to know that God is going to use you and God is right now using your circumstance, your situation, because he loves you. Not because he's lost you, but because he loves you and he wants you. Sanctification is important. Grow up and let's change the world. I'll be praying that you get chained to a soldier or something, you know, the, something like that, you know. It would, you know, maybe, maybe some of you get stopped on the way home and they'll put you in the back of the police car. That's always a fun ride. And from the back, you can talk to them. It's easier to talk to them from the back than the front because they're like in front of you. So as you're in the back of the car, just start sharing with them the truth of the gospel and it'll be a good ride. I'm really hoping that doesn't happen. This is going to be really bad. Do not call me. If you get the one call, do not call me. Call Pastor Jack. Let's stand up and pray. Father, we do thank you. Lord, we thank you for the challenge that you give us. Thank you that we can read something. And Lord, it's not just, it's not just a fairy tale. It didn't happen in a place far, far away a long, long, long time ago. But this happened in the life of an individual who you took from one life form, one life idea and completely transformed him into a total opposite life form and life idea. That's called being born again. And God, I know as we stand here that we have been born again, many of us. And tonight we wanna come and we wanna worship you. We've had your word now. We thank you for the challenge now as we come to that place where we come to your table. We look forward, Lord, to sitting and fellowshipping with you. And I pray for my brothers and sisters that are just going through crummy stuff. I pray that somehow this is encouraged and brought hope into that that situation brought light into that darkness. And that they can walk through knowing, God, that you haven't abandoned them, but God, that you love them and care about them. And you care about them enough that they can go through that situation. Jesus, we love you and we thank you that you love us. And we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen.